Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, folks, and welcome to RealMentorsRadio.com. Hey, we have a new sponsor. It's the Home Business Radio Network. You can go to HomeBusinessRadioNetwork.com and listen to one of the most remarkable uh, radio networks on the internet today. I am a. Uh, I'm very blessed to now be the new news. Uh, director of that network, some of the greatest hosts uh, out there, not just in network marketing, but in every aspect of launching and starting your home, your own home-based business. It's powered by the Positive Powered Radio people. Uh, they are a great media group, and I love them. Today we are in Chapter 10 of Orrin Woodward's book, Resolve, The 13 Resolutions of Life. Now, when I was up there in in Columbus, and I had the opportunity, actually it started in Atlanta when when Orrin and Lori and I were waiting to get on the plane, and then and then as I really got to know them a little bit, to be able to dig deep, to find out about this book, Orrin made it very clear, Troy, this is these are my resolutions. This is how I I really strive daily to live my life, to interact with other people and as I as I interviewed some of the people that are in uh, the founders of life and and are the top leaders in team I found that that these resolutions resonate with all of them in different areas not all of them use 13 resolutions but but all of them have come together as a tribe I'm going to steal Seth Godin's term they've come together as a tribe to say look we have to have some type of a benchmark in which to drive our organizations to hold ourselves accountable, and and this is where they're at in that. And I and I look at it no different than a than than Christians saying we have the Ten Commandments, or or Americans saying we have the Bill of Rights and the Constitution. This is what these guys are doing, and and I like it because I believe any organization, if they have the right foundation, can change the world in different areas. We've seen it throughout history. We see it currently today. Uh, and it's not just in, in what we would call volunteer organizations like this. I mean, we can see it in companies like Apple is a prime example. They have their own, uh, they don't call them resolutions, but Steve Jobs set the foundation there. They had things they go by. And we see that. I mean, it's interesting to see all the different companies that really do live by something like this. But today we're in a very interesting chapter. It says, Resolved. I resolved to develop the art of conflict resolution. Some people would look at this title and say, Orrin, you, you, you left out the word science. There's a science to conflict resolution. And I pondered this myself because I thought, man, you know, is this just an art? And I decided that if you put the word science in here to say, I resolve to develop the art and science of conflict resolution, that it's not really conflict resolution. It would be conflict manipulation. See, science is based on a, a strategic set of principles, or, or not even principles, actually. Principles might be a good word, but, but actually they're ingredients let's use that word specific ingredients or methods in order to predict the result that you want that's the difference between persuasion and manipulation and i believe in this case 
if you truly are going to build a a true resolve for conflict resolution, that it would be the art of conflict resolution. And I think that the first nine chapters kind of lead up to this. Orrin launches this by saying, I know that relationship bombs and unresolved conflicts destroy a community's unity and growth. It also destroys families. Is that not really what happens when a marriage goes apart or, or kids and parents don't agree? See, this is something, this one chapter, if nothing else, we can all use in every aspect of our life. Orton writes, when a person builds a following through his character and com- uh, competence, then he will need to learn the art of conflict resolution in order to maintain trust. See, conflict resolution is not about having somebody agree with you. That's where I think science would come into play, because then both parties is going to be trying to use their own methods to predict the outcome based on what they're looking for. We call this debating, and I don't believe that's what it is. I believe that, that you've got to look at it as an art. Because trust must be maintained. Now the issue, and and maybe something that's passing your mind, because it's past mine, is what happens when you can't maintain trust. And that's what we're going to get into in a minute. Orrin says, in fact, one of the most important arts of leadership, but also one of the least understood, is the art of conflict resolution for unified communities. I also want want to put something in here. Conflict resolution doesn't mean that you agree with the other person at the end of the conflict. At the end of the resolution, when you're sitting down across the table, when you're on the telephone, when you're, when you're communicating via letters or whatever it is that you do, Skype maybe, the end game is not to get the other people to agree with you. It's to resolve any conflict. It doesn't matter if it's business, a church, a relationship, or what. Matter of fact, one of the one of the nuggets that I pulled out of here is whether leading a business, a church, or a charitable organization, the ability re- to resolve conflict is essential. Now, Oren uses a great word picture on this. He says every city must plan for collecting, processing, and removing garbage. In the same way, leaders must develop a plan to handle conflict issues that will arise within the organization and purge them out. In other words, just like a city's got to get rid of its garbage, communities must get rid of their resolution. If if you're a historian like I am where you love the, the American West, then you realize that conflict resolution was taken care of swiftly in the 17th and, and 18th centuries. Even, even, even in the 19th century up until towards the end when when things got a little bit straightened out. But what would happen is we would duel, plain and simple. If there was conflict resolution, out came the sword, out came the fists, out came the guns. When there was a true crime that was committed, there wasn't a bunch of harsh he said, she said. A judge would listen, a jury would decide, the gravel come down, and sure enough in the town square, the hangman would arrive. Now, we do things a little bit different these days. We try to talk through most conflict resolution. But what happens a lot of the time isn't conflict resolution. 
It's conflict aversion. Whether it's two individuals or an organization, we seem to want to be politically correct. It's known as PC. That does not mean policy council in this case. It means political correctness, and that has screwed up the art of conflict resolution. All of a sudden, we have this idea that, oh, we can't make so-and-so upset. Oh, Miss Betty, bless her heart. She'll just be all, all cantankerous. I, I love the, the TV show Andy Griffith because it always shows Ethel or Bertha or one of them ladies always being the little town gossip, always screwing things up. And Aunt B always seemed to be on the losing end of that until the end of the of the series or the end of the show where it would be shown that the gossip wasn't true. See, gossip, I think, tends to come from that conflict aversion. We want people to to agree with us. We want two people to believe what, with what we say, so we kind of blend into that. So all of a sudden, we start trying to politically spin it. Remember, this is political correctness. And all of a sudden, it's a screwed up doggone mess. And all of a sudden, we're trying to get our side of the situation told. We're trying to make ourselves look better. There's one thing about being in the position that I'm in and doing as many videos and as many radio shows. I've pretty much laid open everything in my life. So there's not a a lot of conflict that arises from anything that I've done in the past because it's all open and out there. My conflict will come from current stuff that I may say or do. And somebody disagrees with me, and then all of a sudden it it gets out there. And then whenever I start asking questions, it never fails, but somebody will say, you're throwing red herrings at us. You know, I had to go look that up. I didn't even have a clue what that was. People give me a lot more more credit for my intelligence probably than, than it's worth because I truly just believe in the gut and in the heart. I don't believe in red herrings and all that stuff. I just believe in... And speaking what's on your mind, and together you come to a conclusion. And you know, the fun thing about conflict resolution is at the end of it, you you, you both can be good friends and not agree. My my wife's grandpa, Grandpa Revis, was a Republican, a devout Southern Baptist. His best friend was at one time the chairman of the Democratic Party in the county that they lived in, was was not a Southern Baptist, went to a more progressive church, and they hardly ever saw eye to eye on anything. And they would have some strong, heated debates sitting out listening to the baseball game, the Kansas City Royals. And I used to snicker thinking, how in the world do these two become friends? But they understood that the love for they, that they had for each other did not mean that they had to share the same ideologies and everything. But sadly, in today's world, we've all got to be on one side or the other. We've got to agree 100% with somebody or, or you're the enemy. And that's not, that's not the way it's supposed to be. Orrin hits a topic here I thought was great. He said, imperfect people have imperfect relationships. I, I, I'll take that a step further. Perfect people have imperfect relationships. And you may be saying, now wait a second. But see, in my, and I understand, here comes my faith again. Jesus Christ was the only perfect person that walked the face of the earth. He was perfect. Even the critics will admit that, well, you know, we can't find any harm. I mean, you know, we don't find him guilty of anything. 
but yet the relationships around him were imperfect. So even a perfect person will have imperfect relationships. Jesus was a master at conflict resolution. If you're a, if you're a Christian, if you call yourself a Christian, if you're, if you're a businessman and you want to learn the art of conflict resolution... I challenge you just to read the first four books of the New Testament. And you will see the master of conflict resolution. Orrin writes this. He says, however, even when leaders are operating with character, conflict will still occur. Human beings are capable of so much good but remain imperfect, impetuous, I can't say that word, unreasonable, not to mention overly emotional, hello, we can all agree with that one. Love in a community is the bond that holds relationships together when disappointments occur. If you say, Troy, that's that love word again, you need to go read Love is the Killer App by Tim Sanders, one of the greatest leaders in Yahoo, and understand that love is what bounds everybody in every community. When you love... When you're passionate, when you love what you're doing, when you love the people you work with, you'll go home and love your family, I'll tell you that much. You will love to be driving it together. But even in the midst of all that, we are human. We have egos. We let them get in the way. All of a sudden, we want to be number one. We want to make this happen. Now, here's what happens. And and Orrin calls these relationship bombs. He says, relationship bombs are improper actions dropped upon a relationship, making a simple conflict more complex. Just as bombs in wars expand the destruction, we call it the the casualties of war. Oh, it's just going to happen. We can't we can't help that. Well, yeah, we can. Now listen. When it's a casualty of war, it's usually somebody that was not part of the actual battle. It was a civilian. People have to weigh out that damage. In relationships, most people don't weigh out the damage. And those relationship bombs come under two headings, silence and violence. Now, here's what Orn writes, and I'm going I'm to add something to this. He says, the first dwelling of hurt on hurts without addressing the appropriate party, building a pretense of hypocrisy and animosity within the person that's harboring the poisonous brew. Now, here's what he's saying. If you're silent, if, you, if you've been in a conflict and you're not saying anything, you're just letting those emotions brew. You're, you're letting your fantasy, remember the mind cannot differentiate between fantasy and reality. The Bible makes it very clear too that as you thinketh, you've already done it. So I mean it's, it's one of those things that it, it's there in the mind. That's a bomb because you're going to blow it out of proportion. Now I want to caveat on something here. My personality is one because I can at the I mean if, if if we lived in the old west I'd be one of the fastest draws there ever were because I have these I mean I can have an emotional knee jerk reaction thank my mother for that in a heartbeat I've learned to play what my pappy does I get silent I don't get silent to harbor the situation I've learned to get silent so I can review my own feelings to find out did i miss something am i doing something did 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 i cause this 
but it's because I've studied the art of conflict resolution. If you don't get silent because you're you're trying to figure out what you could have done different, then it is a relationship bomb. The other one is violence. And in today's society, we see violence in both the form of physical violence and more often through anonymous blogging, we see it on the Internet. Every now and then you'll find somebody that has enough gumption that they will, they will be in the middle of a conflict using their own name. But in most cases, that's not what happens. And it causes even more frustration, more torment, more hurt. Those are the bombs that Orrin's talking about. And that can rip a community apart. It can tear it up faster than anything else. It hinders conflict resolution. It tries to build uh, he said, she said. It tries to put people on your side instead of somebody else's. Another nugget I grabbed out of here that Orrin wrote is everyone should make it a rule that if he thinks about a hurt more than once, not being able to forgive the other party, then they need to address the issue promptly. I've seen some of the greatest relationships ripped apart because of gossip, silence, violence, manipulation. That wasn't or isn't a true relationship. I've seen some of the greatest people that I have admired fall short in this area. I know I have more than once. I am not. I'm pointing the finger right back at me. So how can we get out of this? What can we do? There's five steps that I want to cover in the next 10, 15 minutes. I'm going to give you all five in case we run short, and I'm going to go through each one of them. Number one is affirm the relationship. Number two is seek to understand. Number three is seek to be understood. Keep those in order. We're going to cover that. Number four is own responsibility by apologizing. And number five, seek agreement. I didn't say seek my agreement. I said seek agreement. See, you have to use all five steps. They have to be in order because this is, this is how you build that art of conflict resolution. Number one, affirm the relationship. Before anything else, it should be made very clear. The relationship is the most important part. That your love, that your friendship, that the, your community, that that other person or those parties, that you want that healed, that you want that saved, that you don't want to see it dissipate. There's a lot of people that say, well, Troy, we have different friends for different seasons of our life. I, I totally agree on that. But when two friends separate from natural reasons, that's great. When there's conflict, it sucks, and you don't want to see that happen. Warren puts it this way. He said, you know, sometimes you've got to say, I'm, I'm here even though it's uncomfortable because I value our relationship and would rather be uncomfortable resolving our misunderstandings than comfortable with misunderstanding in our relationship. See, if you truly care about that other person, if you truly want answers, if you want to walk as a leader with credibility and maintain it and not lose it, then you'll do the uncomfortable in order to find comfort in the relationship. 
The second thing is to seek to be understood. See, this is a process of understanding what the other person is trying to get across. Conflict is because there is a breakdown or a lack of communication. Somebody's actions or somebody's words set you off because in your mind the interpretation is totally different. Let me let me segue backwards for a minute. I don't know how many of you have ever seen the movie Ben-Hur. It's based on, on true biblical fact. Because when when the the Old Testament said there will be a Messiah, that God will send a Messiah to deliver his people from bondage, the common thought process is there's going to be a leader that's going to come down here, he's going to build an army, and he's going to kick the living snot out of whoever just conquered the Hebrews or the Jews. Ben-Hur loved God. He saw Jesus as the Messiah. He put an army together, and they were waiting for Jesus' command to smite the Romans. But that wasn't, that wasn't the plan. There was a conflict all of a sudden. All of a sudden, people questioned, was Jesus really the Messiah? Because they hung him on a cross. If he was really the Son of God, then he would have, he would have delivered us. The angels would have come down. It caused great debate. Friendships were divided. You may say, Troy, that's kind of that's kind of abstract, isn't it, from what we're talking about? Not really. Because Jesus took the time to explain many, many times why he was here and what it was he was supposed to do. And it wasn't until after his death and resurrection, if if you believe the way I do, that all of a sudden those followers of his started to realize what it was they were delivered from. Some of them didn't last that long, Judas being one of them. The conflict was so high because he thought, too, that Jesus would become the king and he would run the treasury and that he would be an all-powerful, rich person because he would control the money. And when he realized that Jesus wasn't going to conquer the Romans, he decided to sell him out. See, a person that's learning the art of conflict resolution doesn't go to the other person condemning them. You're wrong and I'm right. In Jesus' case, he went to Judas and tried to make amends, tried to give Judas another way to, to go about things, but Judas decided a certain way. He went to Peter when Peter was getting a little bit egotistical and called him down. See, we have to do the same thing. We have to look at ourselves and realize we may not be understanding the other person. And if we will take time to totally understand where that other person is coming from, seeking to realize whether there's a hidden agenda or not, what it is they mean... Not defending our actions, not defending our stance, but listening and then asking questions. Listening and then asking questions. Then we can move to the third step, which is the, pro- which is the process of being understood ourselves. See, by now, both sides should understand, look, the relationship is most important. 
You, as the leader, should have said, I want to hear what you're saying. I want to fully understand. I'm going to ask a lot of questions. And then I want to take the time to explain where I was coming from so that you fully understand where I was coming from. Then all of a sudden we can move forward. But we can only move forward to step four if this has happened. That both parties keep in mind that the resolution is the object, not justification. You're not trying to justify. You're trying to explain why you said or did something. This isn't about justifying your position. It shouldn't be about justifying the other position. It should be explaining where both sides are at. Sometimes I call this fair and balanced whenever I do a review and I get one side of the story and then I get the other side of the story. And then we present it so that people can make their final decision. But too many times as humans, because of past experiences, because of pain that we have gone through, rejection that we have gone through, we don't worry about resolution. We worry about justification. I wear three bracelets. Most of you know this. I'm working up a brand new family tattoo that I hope to have soon. But these three bracelets have three different messages. One says, act justly, walk humbly, and love mercy. Because I know that many times I can try to justify my position instead of listening. Seeking wisdom not just knowledge of a situation. The fourth step is to own as much of the conflict as possible while still being truthful. It is never a one-sided situation. I'll tell you that right now. Both parties somehow have misunderstood or miscommunicated what they're trying to get across. Does that mean that, that periodically there there isn't a, a um, well, let me now let me let me back up and say this: in conflict resolution, where two parties sit down, there's very seldom manipulation that's going to happen. But when there is conflict and there is no resolution, usually one side, if not both sides, are trying to manipulate the situation to justify their actions. If one party's willing to sit down and the other party's not willing to sit down, usually there's some kind of justification or manipulation to the situation. But by the time you get to step four where both parties are sitting down, then it has been my experience that if both parties are being totally truthful and they really want resolution, then they will own they're part of it. And both sides will find a way to, to come through that resolution openly and honestly. Now, here's the issue that I think sometimes people stumble on. You can resolve conflict without being in agreement. That is not an oxymoron or anything like that. Listen to me. You can resolve conflict without being in agreement. I've been married 24 years, and I will guarantee you that Paige and I have not always came to the same conclusion, but we have come to an agreement that in some cases we just disagree on things. 
And you should be able to do that also. In the old days, they'd say, man, don't talk about politics or religion. Well, I disagree with that. I think you should always be authentic, but you have to understand something. When you're open and authentic, you are going to have people that are going to disagree with you. That does not make them bad people. I can guarantee you this, okay, whether you believe it or not, Jesus was not Democrat, and he wasn't Republican. He probably wasn't a Libertarian, and he probably wasn't an atheist or communist or anything else. So you can agree to disagree. You can still find a teachable moment. And you can learn from each other so that in the next step, when you go and you have this same conflict with somebody else, you will understand where they're coming from, and you will realize, I don't have to agree with them to be in agreement. And it will stop you from justifying the fifth and final step in the process is to seek agreement in the roles and responsibility of the partnership in the future. Both parties have been affirmed. Both sides have been heard. Apologies have been made. And most of the time they're appropriate. I mean, everybody makes a mistake. And now the relationship has been confirmed and you move forward. See, that's the five steps. That's what you have to do. If you truly want to be a credible leader, moving up the levels of leadership. If you really love people, it's what you will do. Well, tomorrow, chapter 11, I resolve to seek or I resolve to develop systems thinking. This is going to be an interesting one. Live life like it's an epic adventure. I'll see you at the top. Be back with us tomorrow morning right here at realmentorsradio.com.